So today's lesson is on marital, in, actually renewing marital intimacy, and I hope that everyone read it. Um, and so <clears throat> I'm basically, I've just outlined it, and I'm just going to go through it and make some comments, and we'll finish up. Lord willing, if we start to go over time, please tell me and say, pick it up a little bit. And so that's basically what I've done. So in order to get started, let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Heavenly Father, we give thanks. Thank you for just blessing us greatly the way you always do. Thank you for the gospel of Christ. Um, even as we even think about the topic of marriage. Father, we know that uh, marriage is, is, you have created it for so many things, but mostly to um, just point to and proclaim and picture the gospel of Christ. Um, Christ marriage to his people, to his church, Father. We are so grateful for the gospel of Christ today. I pray that you would give us grace, help us as we talk about marriage, and uh, even as we go um, to the next part of our worship today, I pray that you just take this day, and some of us who even will have home groups and, and, and other things going on, I pray that you take the day, I pray that you use it as you see fit, and help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read from Ephesians 5, just as, as you guys read last week. Um, as, as special, especially Gil knows, I called him at 11.30 at night and said, there's a baby coming, and, uh, and so on and so forth. And so, but I'm going to read Ephesians 5, verses 22 to 33, just to begin our time. It's on wives and husbands. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So let's never forget and always be, keep our minds, if we are married, and just marriage in general in the world, how important it is, how essential it is um, to society and everything that goes on in the world, it is a picture of God's love for his people um, in sending the Son. And it's, it's the most beautiful picture we have. So, with that in mind, let's move through this as quickly as we can. And then I'll try to make some comments on the way. <clears throat> I hope, I'm not, I'm not going to ask everybody read it. I'm sure some folks did not read it, but hopefully a good number did. But he begins, <clears throat> and he begins by saying, Why do marriages become distant? Um, and you know, Chris and I have been married for how many, how many years, honey? 30? By the way, I told the Oreo cookie story while you were out. So 
you didn't get to defend yourself much, but we've been married for 30 years, and marriage is, is, it is beautiful, it is good, but it is also hard, and you also must work, and there are ups and downs, and as we know, especially those who are older, as old as us and older than us, know exactly what I'm talking about, uh, you know, those who are just married, just first seasons of life, but I, I, I'm very much the same person that Kristen married, but I'm also very much different in a lot of ways because of what life throws at us. And we just we never know what they will be. And so marriage um, is, is, it is what it is. But it's great, but it's also very, very difficult. We must work. And so that's why this little pamphlet is so helpful. No matter where you're at in your marriage, this is going to be helpful just to think through some things. Even just to let you know, this week, I don't know if we've ever done what we did this week as we sat down and actually asked each other these questions this week. And it was very beneficial. And it's something that we're going to keep before us and we're going to keep using. But he starts off, he says, why do marriages become distant? Um, and, and he starts off by saying basically this. The way that you treat your spouse, probably the way that you treat God. And I think this is true. And he keeps on going and he says the heart is the key to your intimacy in your marriage. It's the, it's the key to everything in life. Where your heart is, there your treasure, treasure will also be and vice versa. And, he, and what he does is, I've never seen this before, but he, he gives the picture, the parable of the sower. And he says that this parable of the sower... We can look at it as we compare our marriages to this parable. I've never even thought of that before. But it, after reading it, I thought, you know, it, it was pretty good. Um, and so he says that the parable of the sower pictures our love for marriage. And so the very first, the, the, the sower goes out to sow his seed. And where does he throw the first seed? So it throws it along the path, the hard part on the path. And he says basically... Um, those who are married who have, so, have such a hard heart, these are the ones that, that really don't know God. They don't know how to love. They, they are not partakers of the gospel of Christ. And he says that's what happens when, when basically non-believers are married. Or one believer who is married to a non-believer. You, you can't do anything if there is no, if, if just your heart falls upon the hard path. It is selfish. It feels affection when you get what you want, which is often the case uh, uh, in marriage. Um, it, 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 he spoke of love being just a feeling in this case. And the result is very little intimacy except at certain times. Um, it's like the seed on the hard road. And then he moves on to the second soil there. And this is the rocky soil. And he says this is the, the disappointed heart. Um, this is where there are initial bursts of enthusiasm in marriage, but then the enthusiasm just fizzles out. Um, so he says that, that love, quote, love is strong during the good times. But during the bad times, the love seems to go away. Um, when troubles come in the marriage, then disappointment follows and 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 I think certainly and I only can only speak from our marriage but we've had great disappointment in our marriage in in many ways 
through, our, through the years. Um, but uh, when trouble comes, um, your spouse is not so perfect anymore. And especially when we get older and everything changes and we don't look as beautiful as we once did. Um, when, you know, the, the, I think folks today in our society in marriage just say, you know what, I don't, I don't love him. I don't love her the way that I used to. And so I, I just, it's just fizzled out. I don't love my spouse anymore. Um, he says at that point, it may, if that's the case, then you really don't know what love is. Um, and so he says, you know, this, this type of soil begins with great affection, great romance, but now it's later on, maybe it's hard and, and worn, worn out. And so he makes a difference between love and romance. Any, anybody remember anything he says about that? Well, how would, you, um, how would you describe the differences between love and romance, just generally, and then in, in with marriage and in, in, in the context. Romance is focused on what your, you know, your partner can do for you versus love, which is other-centered and other-focused on how can you benefit them and bless them just for their sake, not for what they can do back to you. Yeah, and, and he speaks about any, any Anybody else want to comment there? Romance can come and go, but love remains, even with... Paul, faith, hope, and love. Faith and hope one day will be gone because we don't need them anymore, but love will always remain. And so he speaks about this disappointed heart. Then he goes to the, 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 the seed thrown amongst the thorns. And these are the worries of life that come up, the deceitfulness of riches and other desires, if you'll remember the parable. And so the thorns choke the vitality out of marriage. So the worries of life the deceitfulness of riches, other desires. And he says that basically at this point in a a marriage where this is happening, it's about, you know, life is about all of these other things, like getting more things. Maybe we're focusing on our career. Maybe it's all about physical exercise. Maybe it's all about eating and drinking. Maybe it's about, you know, all of the hobbies. You know, in our culture, maybe, you know, we're, we're just, especially those who have kids, it's just entertainment as far as sports and all of these things that just take up our lives. Um, and he says, basically, when that happens, marriage just, and I think this is a big deal. You just, we just become too busy, too busy. Um, we've already noticed even since our kids have gone, there's been a, a little bit less busyness. Um, we've kept very busy, but we're not as preoccupied with things. But I see that as a big, I mean, when I, pastorally, when I think about our culture and I think about what's going on, busyness of life can just choke out all the vitality of, of, of what we, where we need to be spiritually as well as, you know, our relationships in our, in our marriage. Um, finally, he moves on to the fruitful heart. Um, the good soil, good fruit. And he says, basically, the key to marriage is the heart. A fruitful relationship with God is the, it, it, it's the key to, to intimacy in marriage. This comes from the heart. And so then he goes into an assessment. And he says, you know, so he asks some, some questions. 
when when you think about these soils, um, anybody could, could anybody resonate with any of these um, these four soils? Any, anybody? I'll, I'll give you a chance to share at any time. Stop me. Raise your hand. But when we should ask these questions, how are we doing uh, when it comes to these soils in our marriage? Um, are we disappointed? Um, I mean, are things too busy in life? Um, just are we are we disappointed with something in the life of our spouse that we think they should be better at? I, I think that's a big deal with with Kristen and I going through the years. Just personally, you know, the expectations we have when the spouse does not meet the expectations, then how do you deal with that? Um, how do you move through that? Because there's always going to be something about your spouse. Maybe not always. I'm making a general statement, but so far with us. I can name them, things that Kristen does not like about me and would like for me to change. And I can picture, I mean, I can say some things to, about Kristen that, that she would know as well, that she would like, you know, I would think this that I'd like for her to change in that way. In fact, when we sat down the other day, we talked about some of these things. And we're going to get to those questions in a minute. But how are we doing? Do any of these things resonate in our marriages? Um, do these things that I'm talking about that I have mentioned in these soils, do they create distance um, and cause us not to have intimacy in marriage? And at the end of the, the question, he, at the end of these questions in the pamphlet, he says that all of these things, when we talk about the, these difficulties and these failures and these, these things that we see in our marriage, whether disappointments or whatever they are, well, we're too busy. All these things points to our need for redemption, um, our need for help in marriage. At the end of the day, we need God. We need the gospel of Christ. If we are going to be good husbands, if we're going to be good, good wives. And so then he moves on and he says the first thing's principle, which I've already shared. But he says, at the end of the day, Good marriage, a good marriage, is not your ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is what? We've already shared it. To know your Redeemer, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We do this with everything because if anything that we put in our lives before God, what, what, does, what does the Bible call that? It's an idol. It's idolatry. Um, and Jesus gets right to the heart. You know, If you've looked at a woman... Um, with lust, you've committed adultery. If you've thought evil in your heart about your neighbor, you've committed, you know, evil in your heart against your neighbor. You've committed, um, you've committed murder in your heart. And so we, he, he shared this again, but he hones in on it a little bit more. And he says the first thing principle is this: um, only God can really change your marriage. So wherever you're at in your marriage. Good, bad, ugly, wherever you're at, always, especially as Christians who are hearing the Bible and hearing these truths, we should be seeking the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the, the goal of the intimate marriage comes next. Because if the goal of the in, intimate marriage is first, and that, that, that doesn't work out, then where do we go? Divorce or lots of other things. And so, basically, the key verse, do you remember what his key verse was? Found in the Sermon on the Mount. I remember me and Jimmy, Joe's brother Jimmy, he's out 
on vacation and be back next Sunday. But me and Jimmy used to talk about this verse all the time. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Um, and so that's the, that's the first thing's principle. And then he says, when you think about your marriage, okay, meditate on some of these things. Now, I'm not, we don't have time today to read all of these verses. In fact, I'm not going to read any of them. Just know they're coming straight. I hope you read this pamphlet. But if not, here are some things that he says meditate on when you're thinking about being a good husband or being a good wife. Because what he does is he says meditate on God and who he is. And then that gives us the example and the ways that we should act towards our spouse. So Psalm 139, you are always on my mind. So think about that, husbands and wives. Is your wife, your husband, always on your mind? And do they, does your spouse know that? Isaiah 42, 3, intimacy comes by the way God treats us. <laughs> and how does God treat us? I've been, even this week, trying to think about, as I'm reading my quiet times, and I see something about God and the way He treats me, to think, ah, oh, that, that's helpful to, in how I might treat my spouse. And He keeps going. Luke 12, God notices and cares about everything. I think that was a big deal even as Kristen and I sat down and talked the other day and went through this. Do, does Kristen know that I really care about everything when it comes to being her husband and vice versa? John 15, 15. God speaks openly about himself in your marriage. Do you ever have a time to where you, you sit and speak openly about what's going on in your heart and your mind? Um, I mean, Kristen and I are very different. She tends to get it right out there, and I'm very thankful for that. I am the one that goes in. So it's probably harder for Kristen to get things from me than me to get things from Kristen, although I'm sure Kristen keeps some things. We all do. We all do. There's things we're embarrassed about, about our character, that we maybe have a difficult time sharing. But... God is open with us about himself. We should do the same thing in marriage. Psalm 6, he listens to you. That's one of my big, big deals as a husband. I have a heart. I'm so distracted. And you guys know that. I've been your pastor, one of your pastors for, I don't know, how many years, 15 or 16 years. You know I get distracted easily. And, and, and that's, a, that's a difficult thing for me. Um, but how do we do when we sit? So I have to make a really conscious effort. Um, when I'm listening to anybody, but especially when I listen to Kristen. Psalm 46 is a refuge in the midst of sufferings. Husbands and wives, can you run to the other when you are <clears throat> suffering? Do you, do you find that your husband or your wife is there and ready to, um, to embrace you, to hold you, that you, you know that he or she is with you in your sufferings? Isaiah 49, he sticks with you in the long haul. That's what we do. That's what we do in marriage. That's what Christ does with us. And I think about Christ being married to us. Now, the, the, the enmity between us and God is broken down because of the gospel of Christ and the cross. But he died for us when we were enemies. None of us married an enemy. Um, 
by in any any way, shape, or form. But God sticks with us through the long haul, and that's what we do. And some of you guys who are who are older than Kristen and I have been married longer. You've done that even longer. Um, I know when we first got married, the, the, a lot of these things didn't even weren't even on the radar. But I'm sure that we, especially as you get older and physical things start to happen, and you, you never know. My grandma and grandpa, I don't know, they were married for, I don't know, 65, I don't know how many years. They, they both died when they were around, around 90. And uh, my grandma was uh, hit by a car when she was 55 and broke almost every bone on her body out here on uh, Concord Salisbury Road. And... Uh, she was in hospital for three or four months and never could really walk well again. It was years before she could actually, a couple years before she walked. Then she just walked really slow, but she could never go downstairs again. My grandpa worked uh, second shift. He had a full garden, and then he took care of all the clothes washing and the hanging out and because she could never go downstairs again. Uh, so many things she could not do. My, I remember my grandpa, he, he was so happy. He would just smile. And I've told you this before, if you've heard from the pulpit, he would say, for better or for worse. But I didn't know it was going to get this worse. <laughs> but he was smiling the whole time he said it. And that's what we do. The long haul, that's what God does with us. That's what we do with our spouses. John three sixteen, Romans 5, 6 and 8, 6 through 8. Um, Christ laid down his life, but God commands his love towards us. While we're yet still sinners, Christ died for us. So as spouses, we lay down our lives for our spouse. Um, we forgive. God forgives our sins. Psalm 103. How, how do you do as a husband, as a wife, forgiving um, your spouse? Lamentations 3, 21 to 24. His mercies are new every morning. That's a good one. I think, wow, does Kristen wake up with me and go, man, John's mercies are new every morning. Um, I don't think so. But that's, if you ponder on that and meditate on that a little bit, that's, that's a, that you know that your spouse would be merciful to you in your frailties, in your, you know, in, 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 in your sin, in the things that you don't do so well um and i you know and but the thing is in all these things i just said as we look unto christ as we look to the lord in the face of christ then these things should become more and more evident and we should think more and more about these things as we go through marriage so here's some questions some more questions he asked through this part Question, are you making intimacy the most important thing in your life? So we, we're thinking of intimacy is just being physical. But it's, it, it, it includes physical, but it is all of the above. And then when you're, you're, you're older, there may not be much physical there at all, but intimacy is all of the above. <clears throat> and it is much, much more than physical. So he asked the question in the pamphlet, are you making intimacy the most important thing in your life? Okay. And he, again, he, he caveats that with, that's not your most important deal. Your most important deal is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then look to intimacy in marriage. He said, if you've done this, then you've missed the key. He says, what happens if you don't get intimacy from your spouse? And that is what you are living for. So if you think back to the soils, you'd fall away. You'd be disappointed. Intimacy <clears throat> will be lacking. But if you are 
seeking his kingdom and his righteousness above all things, and your heart is for the Lord, then what will God do? God will give you a heart for your spouse. It's, it's kind of, life's pretty simple in this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what's the second commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. So how do we love our neighbors ourselves? We do it. We start with our spouse. And I would say too, as I've said from the pulpit many, a time, many times, your family follows right there. So we are what we are in our homes. And our kids know that. We can ask our kids lots of questions. At the same point, we may have messed it up for years. God is still a God of grace. And, uh, and there's still a race to be run and we can find forgiveness as His mercies are new every morning. If we seek... <clears throat> To love our spouse the way God loves us, we will never be disappointed. You will fail. You will find disappointment. But in the end, change in your relationship and more intimacy will come. And that's kind of the purpose of Greg putting these counseling, the, these topics together. And we're, we're just scratching the surface. But this is extremely helpful. He also puts a little part in there. I won't spend too much time there, but he says basically in the Old Testament, two words, kesed, chesed, it's a Hebrew word, and emet. And then we used to have that one in Tatar, in Arabic. But that, those two words, first one, kesed, is loving kindness. Second one is faithfulness. God is always showing His loving kindness towards His people, and He is always faithful. And so that is what we should be as husbands and wives, one to another. So here's some practical strategies for change. And this is the last part. He says first, if, like, if you're listening to these things and you, you're, you, you, you say, hmm, there's some things I'm, I'm pretty convicted about, then what do you do? As a Christian, we repent. And we look unto Christ who has covered our sins. And we turn to God who will forgive us and give us mercy. And so he says, give yourself an honest assessment in your marriage. Here's some questions. Are you, are you lazy? I, I, I don't know if this is a stereotype for men, but I think uh, in many cases, at least in my, my case, I tend to be more lazy than my wife, and certainly in a lot of physical things. Um, she may say the opposite on other things, but I, I see that. And so what ways in my life as a husband am I been lazy? Um, uh, you know, Kristen has um, just recently, you know, the, I talked to one of my disc golf buddies about playing disc golf, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. He said, man, I can't play on Saturdays. I'm going to be doing the honeydew list. Well, we, you know, I don't know why the the, the – the, the wives always make that list, but it seems to be, the, does anybody in here, men make the list and give their wives the, the hubby-do list? I don't know. Is that what you do, Tommy? I said, you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I tend to be lazy. But Kristen, it was pointed out, she's got all these things she wants done, and they're like tabs that need to be pulled out of the folder and filed away. And when those things happen in her mind, was that from you, McKamey? Thank you, McKamey. That's really cool. But that's a really good picture. And so 
I often am lazy. And so husbands, we should try to clear those tabs and um, fill those out. But that, that's for not just for husbands, but for also for wives. I mean, are you lazy? Are you preoccupied with other things when intimacy in your marriage really needs some help? Um, are you filled with res- resentment? Um, I think we have a lot of good marriages. We have some, some bad marriages. We have marriages that are all over the place. And I would be very naive as a pastor to think that, that we weren't having issues in our marriages. That's why we have this topic um, today. I mean, does the way your husband or wife treats you, does that bring some resentment? And I, through the 30 years, I have to say, of course, many times, I must confess. Um, but there are, are ways to to relieve this resentment. Um, are you fearful of, of being hurt? And so you have a hard time even sharing. Does your spouse make it difficult for you to share? Um, you know, we've found that through the years. I'm sure I have made it difficult to Kristen and, and, and vice versa. So these are some questions. Another question. He says, ask your question, ask yourself the question of 2 Corinthians 4, 7, which basically says, Paul says, all, the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. In other words, go back to the principle. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Um, ask your question of the all-surpassing power. Who are you looking to and how are you going about better intimacy in your marriage? And so this is really the beginning of a confession and repentance and so he asked the question, where do I need the all-surpassing power in my marriage? Um, and so then he, then he continues, and he says basically, as we've already said, change always starts with God and with your own heart. So he says, so if you're sitting here this morning and you've heard these things, and things have come up, and you're, you're maybe you're convicted, and you should be, if, if you have the Holy Spirit, we all should be, you know, this is what happens in life, and that's the, the grace and mercy of God to bring conviction by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then what should we do? We should repent. We should confess our sins to God. And then what should we do? Go to our spouse and say specifically, be specific. I have sinned against you. I've asked God to forgive me. I've sinned against you by being lazy, by being distracted by not thinking of you in xyz whatever and i've asked god to forgive me now please will you forgive me and then he goes on and he says after we ask for forgiveness here's some questions now this is the most practical part and we're almost we're almost done well how are we doing on time 936 we'll be done in four minutes He says, ask these questions by entering the world of your spouse. He says, aim to love your spouse the way God loves you, by spending time together. That's a big deal. Um, You know, we are, again, empty nesters now. We're spending a little bit more time together eating Oreos. (laughs) <laughs> she ate some the third night. She counted how many were left, by the way, and said, I'll have just a couple of those, thank you. But dinner, out, walking together. And 
morning coffee, whatever. And I know when you got small kids, guys, it is really, really difficult. But you can do it. It, it. You know, we at the end of the day, all of us do what we want to do. So that applies to everything in life. It goes back to the heart. So ask three questions of your spouse. And I would encourage you to do this. Chris and I did this the other day. Very helpful. And we're going to keep doing it. And we've said to one another, we're going to keep doing this. But here's some questions. What are your burdens, honey? What are your burdens? Hubby, what are your burdens? What does is, what is, uh, Candace call you, Tommy? I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> Not something nice. <laughs> so, what are your burdens, Tommy? What are your burdens? What are your cares, Candace? What things happen to you today that weigh on you? Um, what do you think about in the future that worries you? These are specific questions. Mm-hmm. I, I have not done this in 30 years, brothers and sisters, as specific as some of these questions. Very helpful. What was your low light today? What was the worst thing that happened to you today? What was the, the best thing? Well, that's the next question. What are your burdens? Now, what are your joys? What was the best thing that happened to you today? Was there a moment that brought you pleasure? What are you grateful for? What was your highlight? As you look back over your life this past week, what brought you joy? And what are you looking forward to in the future? If we ask these questions, the answers, you can't spend just a couple minutes, can you? Chris and I probably spent a couple hours the other day, and we're like, wow, these are amazing. Then he, he goes on to some more questions. What's your purpose? What's on your mind? What are your goals? What's going on today? What's happening today? What's happening tomorrow? What do you hope to accomplish this week, this year? And so I would encourage us to do that. If you haven't read this, this little booklet, read it. Put them into practice. Um, and then finally here, a couple things. He says, try to express your love as a, as a spouse in small daily kindnesses. So just try to pick one thing that you can do that is kind. And always check your motive. I think my kids, when they come for advice, I can give them specific advice on whatever. Marriage, money, school, whatever. But at the end of the day, I'm telling them, guard their heart. You guard your heart, son. You guard your heart, my honey, Emily, Abigail, because that is the key to life. It's the key to marriage. It's the key to everything. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he finally says, okay, even if your spouse does not respond to you, if you're having a very difficult marriage, that does not negate the fact that you are to continue doing these things. These things that have come out here. You can persevere, he says. Why? Because if you are a Christian, you are united to Christ and you have the Holy Spirit. Remember also Matthew 6, 33. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Alright, six. It's, I think it's 20 till. So let's finish up. Anybody have any comments or thoughts? Well, you can grab me or grab anybody and talk about these things, but I hope it has been helpful to us. If you haven't read it, please go read it and then get together with your spouse. Let's pray together. Father, we just give thanks again for marriage, and I pray that you would just bless our marriages at Grace greatly, that we would put these things into practice, that our marriages might um, portray and be a picture of, of the beauty of the gospel of Christ. Help us now as we 
hang out together and get kids and as we go to sing and pray and hear the word preached and worship together, Father. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.